Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. If you are not subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast, then make sure you are subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. Follow the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram page, which is at Oh My Allergies for the latest updates on the Oh My Allergies podcast. We post quotes, we post clips from episodes, sneak peeks behind the scenes, all the things of the sort. So you're going to want to make sure that you follow the Oh My Allergies Instagram page. Make sure that you leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Hopefully it is five stars and keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about sneezing again, which has been a very popular topic for me just because I find the whole sneezing mechanism to be just very interesting in its relationship to, you know, allergies. So this episode is going to be about why do we sneeze in the morning? Just because it's something that I've always wondered about and kind of always had questions around. And like I said, I've previously have talked about sneezing. So this episode is more so, you know, building upon the episodes that I've already talked about sneezing in, kind of, you know, bringing up some things that I've brought up on the podcast previously, but also expanding on that and bring in some new things to the table as well. Like I say, in these types of episodes, I am not a doctor. I am not a medical professional. I do not claim to be either of those things. These are things that, you know, are based off of my personal experience with my allergies and with sneezing and things that I have, you know, done my personal research on. And I make sure to talk about all the different sources that I mentioned in these episodes in our show notes and then list additional resources as well just to make sure you all do like a in-depth dive into the topics that are discussed on this podcast. So before I get into the meat of today's episode, you guys know I got to talk about what's been going on. So what's been going on with me, I am still reading a lot of books. I have literally been strapped to my Kindle and that's literally what I do most nights right before I go to bed. I know last month in October, I read so many books that when I was talking with other people in my life and stuff and I was going through how many books I read, they were like, oh my gosh, like that's absolutely crazy. Like, let me because normally when I'm doing my reading, I try to keep track of each and every book that I read for each particular month. So for October, I read one. I read 14 books in all of October. I know, I know. I know some people like just aim to read that many books in a year. So the fact that I was literally on a mission to read as many books as I could in the month of October is kind of crazy. I think that's like my reading month, like the biggest reading month that I've had this whole year was October. And I mean, I already know why, because I've already shared with you guys that 
um, somebody um, in my family had passed away. So really, I've been using reading as a coping mechanism to kind of just be able to grieve and things like that. But this month in November, so far, I have only really successfully read one book which is shocking for me because that's usually not how it is. I usually read at least like two books a week. So the fact that I've only read one and I'm just recently starting a new book is something that I'm like, whoa, like we got to get back on this reading kick, Valencia. But besides that, I have also been watching The Bachelorette, which I am not a fan of this season and I really, really want it to be. Um, just because I really liked Michelle on Matt James's season. And I was like, oh, like she's going to get her own season. Like this is going to be great. But like, I don't even remember a lot of the guys' names except for Joe. And then I don't know, like they're just not memorable in my opinion, the guys on her season. And the whole season in general is just very boring. I don't know if it's, you know, as boring as the previous season of The Bachelorette because that was pretty boring, but I would say that this season is actually boring and like it kind of feels like two hours is like a drag. I'm like, okay, like could I be doing other things? Can I like multitask? Like, you know, like when a show is not that great that you just try to find other things to do to be able to pass by time until something like really interesting happens. Yeah, so that's That's how my experience of watching The Bachelorette has been. Also, last month, since last month was Halloween, I actually painted a pink pumpkin in honor of breast cancer awareness because at work I was in charge of a pink pumpkin contest, which was actually really interesting to be over and to see like all the different submissions come in. So that was really fun. My pumpkin was actually inspired by the movie Coco. And if you're not familiar with that movie, it's a Disney Pixar movie. Now, I've not seen the movie yet but it's something that I definitely do want to watch I know Halloween has passed but it's still a movie that I've always wanted to see but speaking of Disney plus I have been trying to find new things to watch on Disney plus I recently watched uh, Black Widow on Disney plus to be honest I didn't really feel the way that I feel after watching an Avengers movie or another Marvel movie after I watched Black Widow. And that really pains me to say that because I like ScarJo in the Avenger movies, but realistically, I would probably give the movie a B minus or a B. Like it was just okay. And like at times, like, I don't know if I'm the only one that felt like that, but like the movie was just kind of like disturbing. Like there was just a lot of story building that they had to do like in the beginning and even in the middle of the movie, in my opinion. And there was just so many moving parts in the film. And like, in my opinion, just some of the combat just seemed to be just absolutely unnecessary at times. I don't know. Like I liked the girl who played her sister. Well, if you know, you know, like she's not really her sister but like her sister figure I guess I don't know it's kind of complicated but I know her name in real life is Florence Pooge or Florence Pug Pooge Pug I know her name is Florence but after I watched the movie I was like just like everyone else on Disney plus Twitter okay like she should have been in a lot more Marvel movies Like, why wasn't she in, like, some of the other, like, Iron Man movies with Scarlet, you know? Like, I just feel like that was an opportunity missed. And the father figure in that movie? 
how can I describe him? I'd probably say he was interesting because that's the nicest way to describe that character. But yeah, I'm happy that I waited to watch that movie on Disney Plus, though. Really happy about that. So, because I don't know if I would have wanted to go to the movie theaters to see it. Obviously, I'm not rushing to go to the movie theaters now because we are still in a pandemic. But even if there wasn't a pandemic, I don't know, I probably really would have wanted to see it. And then I would have heard like some things like on social media and stuff. And then I probably would have waited. And then I would have saw it on Disney Plus, And then I would have still had the same reaction that I have now. What else have I been doing? Hmm. I'm sorry that there's not really been uh, consistent episodes of the podcast lately. You know, I told you guys that I had been dealing with some things personally and still kind of working through that you know, right now. So I wanted to take, you know, a step back. I thought I was going to be able to be like up and moving and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, as I had, you know, conversations with myself, as weird as it sounds, but I just really realized that when it came to trying to brainstorm different content for the podcast that I was feeling a little bit burnt out and kind of out of ideas and didn't really know like kind of what type of episodes that I wanted to put out. And so I was dealing with that on top of the other stuff that I'm dealing with. And so I kind of just took a break that I didn't even think that I needed. Um, Because just this past year alone, for me personally, my personal life has just been a lot. And trying to work through everything, you know, and, you know, I feel like I've been, you know, so distracted in terms of, you know, putting myself into this podcast and and it's something that I really love and enjoy doing, but, you know, doing all that in the hustle and bustle of running a podcast and not really, you know, paying attention to like how I'm actually doing, I was able to kind of take that step back and it I really feel like it was much needed and I feel like I have a better handle on, you know, like the type of content that I want to put out again. And, you know, currently I'm trying to schedule some guests. So I am a very excited about where the podcast is going and the upcoming content coming out to you guys. But I am sorry that there has been kind of like a where's Valencia? Where's all my allergies type of thing on podcasts and platforms and also on our Instagram as well. So it's just kind of just been those types of past few months where I've just been like, I need a breather. I need to do some retrospection. I need to do, you know, all the things to kind of put my self-care at the forefront. So and I encourage you all to do that too. Uh, Because, you know, one thing that I feel like this pandemic has taught everyone is the importance of being happy with yourself and practicing self-care and you know self-care is not you know as easy as just lighting a candle you know that might work for some people but for other people you know they might need to do something a little bit more than that so just finding what works for you we've done episodes on self-care with allergies as well but um, just finding out what that means for you, I feel like is important. It's something that I'm trying to, you know, get better at for myself. I know that was a long what's been going on update, but I felt like it was needed, especially because I've kind of been a little MIA lately. But with that being said, that's basically what's been going on with me. So I'm just going to get right into my foodie likes.
So my first foodie like that I want to share with you all, it's from the brand Wild Planet and it's their wild mackerel fillets and EVO, which is extra virgin olive oil. Guys, this stuff is so, so good. I have been a fan of mackerel for years now. Like growing up, it was something that my mom would make for dinner, like mackerel cakes, which are the bomb.com. Highly recommend. They're very similar to um like salmon cakes, but I really love mackerel. So I came across uh these little uh skinless and boneless fillets of mackerel at Whole Foods and really was intrigued by them because I was like okay like I know I love mackerel I know I am trying to not have as much tuna because too much tuna just based off of research that I've done make sure you do your own research is not really like the healthiest because of mercury levels and things like that so I was trying to be able to find another fish that kind of comes in a can like tuna that I can kind of work with and kind of be able to bring for lunch for work and things like that so I came across these was very intrigued kind of didn't really like the fact that they're soaked in extra virgin olive oil but I was able to get over that so normally what I do is that because they come in like a little can kind of like sardines and so you pull it and then they're like drenched in olive oil. And I'm like, I don't really like all that oil. So what I'll do is like, I'll just pat them so that there's not as much oil on them. And guys, they taste so good. Like what I'll do sometimes, like if I'm looking for something quick, I will just eat them as is like in the little container that they come in. Or I'll kind of make it like it is tuna with like a little bit of like some mayonnaise. For my folks who are egg free, there are like vegan mayonnaise options that are out there. But make sure you're looking at your labels to make sure that you can actually eat them. But so good, so good really great lunch option I'll either put that like on toast or eat it by itself put some pepper on it it is delicious highly recommend if you're looking for something that is very similar to tuna but is definitely different also what I like about this particular brand is that the mackerel is wild and that's usually what I look for when I am looking for fish. So the fact that it was wild, the fact that it was skinless and boneless, I was like, I'm sold. My next foodie like that I wanna share with you all, it comes from the brand So Delicious Dairy Free. If you've been following me for a while, then you know that I am a big fan of So Delicious Dairy Free. I have been a lover of their products over the years. You know, I've worked with them on my blog before in years past. So I am just a big fan of So Delicious and their products and I just really like how like over the years like they've just really increased their product line but anyway not gonna go on a big rant about them as a brand so the thing I've been loving from them lately has been their vanilla bean uh ice cream sandwiches oh oh my gosh my mother got me on them she bought them once and was like you need to try these I tried one life changed highly recommend they are just so good so good and I thought that they were going to be like way too sweet because of like the coconut milk center they are like the perfect amount of sweet and the chocolate like little like cookie part of like the sandwich oh so good so 
good. But I know uh, that some of their products tend to contain like pea protein and things like that. So you might want to always double check the ingredients to make sure that you can actually eat the products and make sure you're thoroughly looking at the ingredients list like three, four times, make sure you're not missing anything on the list. But if you can try these, I highly recommend. I also love the fact that they're low in calories as well. So definitely you should give them a try. But those are all of the foodie likes that I want to share with you all. So with that being said, we're going to get right into the allergy news. So this week's allergy news article comes from Huffington Post. So HuffPost. And the article is titled, Pea Protein is Causing a Mighty Problem for People with Allergies. And this is something that has been talked about on the podcast previously. We had a guest on the show that actually has a pea allergy. And she, you know, talked about her experience of, you know, being allergic to peas and what that's like and being able to navigate, you know, going grocery shopping for foods and how it is such a difficult allergen to have because it's in so many different foods. And so this article talks about how since there's been, you know, an influx of people who are living vegan diets and gluten-free diets, food manufacturers have been so consumed with replacing wheat and other ingredients in processed foods with highly concentrated forms of dried peas. And although that that is a lot healthier than a lot of other ingredients that can be found in a lot of these foods that are deemed as being vegan and gluten-free, it can be very, you know, dangerous for people who are allergic to it. And I think one of the most myths when it comes to a pea allergy is the fact that people are like, oh, like peas are a vegetable, but it, they are actually a legume. And it's really closely related to a peanut, which is very surprising because you just don't think that. But a pea is not actually a vegetable. It is actually a legume. So there is a chance that if you have a nut allergy, specifically, you know, a peanut allergy, there's a good chance because of a peanut being a legume and a pea being a legume that you could be allergic to peas. But even though that is the case and, you know, I'm coming across a lot more people who are saying like, oh, like I'm allergic to peas and pea protein. Uh, those things are not recognized by the government as a common allergen. So because of that, you know, so many different food manufacturers and restaurants aren't obligated to alert, you know, consumers that their products could possibly contain peas. One thing that I don't even realize, but even most recently when I went to, you know, the grocery store and I was was looking at you know some vegan meatless products I found pea protein in them like I mentioned in my foodie likes portion of this episode when I talked about ice cream sandwiches those have pea protein in them you know pea protein can be found in cake mix it can be found in biscuits it can be found in vegan cake in bread and bagels and wraps and rolls it can be found in burgers and like I said, ice cream and breaded fish and chicken. There's just so many foods that you can actually find pea protein in that it's actually quite shocking how many food manufacturers over the years have kind of just snuck peas and pea protein into ingredients lists. So in this article, they talk about how there was research presented at the uh, British Society for Allergy and Clinical Immunology Conference that took place in October 
And in this research, pea and legume allergies are the most prevalent of less common allergens among children. And that there are also widespread reports of allergies to peas developing in adulthood as well. So now there's so many people who are really wanting peas to be declared as an official common allergen. And that's something that I saw a lot, you know, when it came to sesame, which recently got added to the common allergens list. And, you know, I feel like if more and more people push for this ingredient to get added, you know, I think that that'll be able to make room for even more allergens that, you know, people are like, oh, like, that's crazy. Like, you possibly can't be allergic to peas or you can't possibly be allergic to this or that, that that'll be able to create those conversations that are necessary to be able to add more and more allergens to these common allergen lists and varying countries. So I just found this allergy news article just to be very, very interesting. Like always, we will have this article linked in our show notes so you all can take a look at the article yourself. But I think that, you know, we are just getting started on this whole pea and legume allergies conversation. And I feel like more and more conversations are going to be had about why this should be added to the common food allergens list. But now that I'm done with the allergy news, I guess I can get right into the meat of the episode, which is today's topic, which is all about why do we sneeze in the morning? So like I said, today's episode is all about why do we sneeze in the morning? Like I said, I wanted to talk about this topic because it's something that I personally deal with in the morning and it comes like at the most randomest times. Like some mornings I just literally wake up sneezing and like other moments I don't. So I just figured that there are probably some other curious souls out there in the world that are like, hmm, like I have this same question too. And like I already have said, I previously have talked about sneezing so this episode is more so building upon you know the episodes where I've already have talked about sneezing and them so as you all probably know allergies exist in so many different forms and that even includes being allergic to different you know environmental particles that are in the air and in your environment so when allergens like you know, pollen and grass seeds and mold and things like that come in contact with your mucous membrane, which is the tissue that lines your nasal cavities, your body attempts to get rid of those things and causes, you know, inflammation and blood flow to your nose. And as a result, your nose gets stopped up and that irritation there causes you to sneeze. So, The big question of this episode is why do we sneeze in the morning? Like Valencia, why do we sneeze? It's annoying. Please help us. (laughs) So uh, as I did some research on this topic, I found that there are actually a few reasons as to why you may be sneezing in the morning. Like I said earlier in the episode, I'm not a doctor. um, I'm not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be either of those things. Um, These are just things that I know from personal experience and research that I've done and I encourage you all to do research on your own as well. So the first reason as to why you may be sneezing in the morning is being exposed to common allergens at night while you were sleeping 
which is also known as seasonal allergies. So a main cause for sneezing early in the morning could be attributed to a condition called allergic rhinitis, also known as hay fever slash seasonal allergies. I actually did an episode explaining allergic rhinitis, so you should definitely listen to that episode just to get more in-depth information and to learn more about it. But one key to being able to managing your allergies is to really identify what you're allergic to and reducing your exposure to it in terms of seasonal allergies. So there are four common allergy triggers. So there are dust mites and dust mite feces tend to trigger allergies. Usually dust mites can be found in an old mattress because they can hold millions of dust mites and their fecal matter, which is absolutely gross. Absolutely gross. Another allergy trigger is animal dander. Um, Another one is mold and another one is pollen. And so pretty much everyone is exposed to these allergens on some type of level. But the good news is that you can control your exposure for pretty much all of these allergens. But basically, kind of just to put allergic rhinitis into simpler terms, uh, allergic rhinitis, it can lead to you being hypersensitive to allergens such as house dust mites, animal saliva, and fungal spores. And if your room is dusty or it has mold in it and you're allergic to those allergens, then your morning system, then your morning symptoms may be due to you being exposed to those allergens during the night, which has aggravated your nose over night. So by the time you wake up, your nose is like, I've had it. I need to get all this stuff out. I need to sneeze. This needs, these particles need to leave your body because I'm sick and tired of them being here. You know, I let you have a break overnight, but like it's coming out now. But also pollen counts often are at their highest in the morning, which I think is very interesting. So if you are allergic to pollen, this can be a time when allergy symptoms can be stronger. So that could be the reason why you are repeatedly sneezing in the morning as well, which explains a lot because there's been times where I've gone outside and I'm just like having a sneezing fit and my ab muscles hurt and I'm absolutely miserable. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's pollen season, baby. That's why I am sneezing. So reason number two is your room is too dry, which is something that I dealt with, especially in college when you don't really have 100% control over your room being like too dry or too moist, things like that. You know, when you're exposed to dry air, so whether that's because of air conditioning or just a room genuinely just being dry when you're asleep, this can make your nose dry. And then in return, it can cause you to enter into a morning sneeze fit when you are waking up. I know when I had um, sweet mates, because luckily I did not ever have to share an actual room when I was in college, but when I had sweet mates and it came to trying to control the air conditioning in our room, they would want to keep it super hot and make our rooms be dry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because in addition to my room being dry, making me sneeze and things like that, I get nosebleeds from time to time, especially when I was younger, I got them like so much that like for me being in drier climates, like my nose would just start bleeding. I wouldn't even have to have any type of impact. It would just be from the dryness of being in a room or the dryness outside. Like it was crazy. And to the point where like sometimes with my nosebleeds, like it would be 
super hard to stop them and then my mom would panic and be like oh my gosh like your nose can't stop bleeding I'm so confused oh my gosh and we would do all the things and then luckily it would stop but yeah I didn't want that whole ordeal to happen when I was in college so I was like yeah no the rooms are not being dry no we can come to a happy compromise but no my room is not gonna be super hot no because of the room being too dry and it drying out my nose and me having problems breathing and sneezing and no, 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 was not going to have it. So the third reason is being exposed to bright light. I know it seems really bizarre, but yes, some people can actually sneeze when they are exposed to any bright light or the sun. And the reason why this happens, it's still non-conclusive, but medically it's called photic sneeze reflex. And it's a condition where bright lights or even the sun, it can lead to sneezing and it can be difficult to control, which I think is just very interesting that some people have to deal with, you know, bright lights in that sense, causing them to sneeze. Like, I just think that that's interesting. Like, like, I wonder if a person who deals with this type of a condition, like, do they not like have a, a lamp? next to their bed because of them possibly sneezing because of being exposed to bright lights like do they sleep in complete darkness like these are just questions that I thought about once I found out about this condition I was like okay so like how does this work and then especially the point the portion of when you eventually have to go outside to do things like how like how does that work I'm curious if anyone knows or anyone knows anyone who has this condition Definitely send us a DM on the Oh My Allergies Instagram page because I'm definitely fascinated by this condition for sure, just because I find it to be very, very interesting. So reason number four, it's vasomotor rhinitis, also known as non-allergic rhinitis. To be completely honest, I had no idea. And when I mean no idea, I mean no idea what this was just by its name. But then I did research on it and I was like, wait, I think I've dealt with this before and it turns out that this is a condition that is very common and like I said it's called vasomotor rhinitis not allergic rhinitis but that basically is the inflammation of the internal nasal membranes so although allergies can cause nasal inflammation sometimes there's not really a specific cause for it so when it comes to non-allergic rhinitis the blood vessels inside of your nose dilate and that causes swelling and possibly congestion and you might even get annoying you know mucus issues like dealing with a runny nose or a stuffy nose and even post nasal drip and although an inflamed stuffy nose is typical with non-allergic rhinitis you will not typically have, you know, other symptoms like an itchy nose, itchy or watery eyes, or a scratchy throat. Dealing with non-allergic rhinitis, it could be because of changes in the weather. It could be eating spicy or hot foods or taking certain medications that could also cause this type of a condition as well. So I know after me saying all of this, I know you're probably thinking, okay, thanks for, you know, giving me somewhat of an idea, you know, what's causing me to sneeze in the morning but like what can I do to manage and stop this you know what I'm saying 
So now I'm going to talk about how you can manage dealing with morning allergies is what I'm going to call this morning allergies. So uh, first thing is making sure that you're cleaning your bedding thoroughly and uh, thoroughly cleaning your bedding. It's like the first thing that you can do to be able to help with reducing your morning allergies because of higher concentrations of dust mites being found in beds. And that's just because as nasty as this is, it's because they have a constant supply of food, moisture, and warmth in your bed. If you don't know what a dust mite is, dust mites, they're like these like tiny creatures that are invisible to human eye and you can't see them, but they're there, but they like to cuddle in your bed because their food sources, your dead skin cells. And that was so nasty for me to say, but I know I had to say it. According to research, and you can fact check me on this, but we shed around 0.001 to 0.003 ounces of skin flakes every hour. And those cells just stay in your bed. And to a dust mite, they're like, hey, that's a good snack. Let me just, let me just hop in there with you and just munch, munch, munch which is so disgusting when you think about it. But dust mites, they can live in dry climates, but they tend to increase in number when there are humid periods throughout the year. So that allows them to be able to suck water from the atmosphere. And so this could most likely be one of the reasons as to why high cases of allergies happen in high humidity. And when I saw this, I was like, that makes perfect sense. So to be able to reduce the number of dust mites in your bed, you're gonna wanna properly clean your bedding. So you're going to want to clean all of your bedding with warm water and it's best to be able to use like a specific type of detergent to be able to make sure that all your dust mites on your bedding are dead. You're going to want to clean the floor if possible, being able to get rid of any, you know, carpets, clean carpets, things like that, especially bedroom rugs. If you have hardwood floors, you're going to want to mop the floor and making sure that you're vacuuming things that you can't possibly mop or clean. Another tip is to take a shower before bed, which is really, I don't know, I feel like the best time to take a shower is right before you go to bed rather than waiting till the next morning to take a shower in the morning. I don't know. I'll do a poll on the Oh My Allergies Instagram page. Are you a person who takes a shower before bed or a person who takes a shower in the morning? Um, another tip is to change your clothes once you are in for the night and don't keep clothes um, that you had on earlier and don't put them in your bedroom and don't bring outdoor clothing into your bedroom like shoes and jackets. Now this is something that I typically do anyway because of me having a dog. I usually have like sweats that I have on when I'm hanging out with my dog and make sure that I don't go to bed with those sweats on just because of her dog dander and saliva because she sniffs and she licks things and it's really annoying when I think about it but I just do that because of that anyway and then also uh when I was really like playing soccer outside you know when it came to my allergies like I could not like keep my soccer clothes and soccer practice clothes on and things like that because of me being around all of these different environmental allergens and things like that also one thing that's like a must for me especially if you are you know moving into an apartment if you're moving into even a house or even a college dorm is using hypoallergenic covers for your mattresses and pillows and making sure that you're washing your sheets regularly. Also washing your curtains regularly. The curtains thing, I am not gonna lie, I don't 
do that probably as regularly as I um, should. Um, But I encourage all of us to be better and do better. Now, even though, you know, you do all these things, your bedding's clean and the allergy triggers, which were lingering on your bedding is gone, but that sadly is still not enough. And you're like, dang, well, how do I get these daggone dust mites away from me? You know, you got to think about, okay, what about the dust mites that could be possibly hiding in your pillows and in your mattress? Okay. You know, what about their feces that are buried deep inside, which is disgusting. And like I said, an old mattress can hold millions of dust mites and their feces. Disgusting. And I know right after me saying all this, you probably just want to cram your mattress into a washing machine with all this information that I'm sharing with you all, because I know that I do but sadly it is just not that simple and there is a simple and cheap solution to be able to prevent these gross and nasty looking pests and their nasty poop allergen resistant mattress protector and some pillow covers can help with being able to keep the dust mites at bay and other allergens from your bed like I said before vacuuming so that includes vacuuming under your bed regularly to be able to help with reducing dust and pet dander limiting your pet's access to your bedroom you know that is something that I'm very adamant on I'm like no you cannot come in my bed this is supposed to be my oasis you know I don't need pet dander and my oasis that's going to cause me to sneeze and get into sneezing fits and hurt my stomach muscles. I don't need that. So I typically try to keep my dog away from me when it comes to sleeping and being able to, you know, even just come into my bedroom because she's going to shake in my room and then it's going to go all up in the air and the environment and I'm just going to be so frustrated. So I know as pet lovers, we love being near our dogs and our cats and things like that. I'm more of a dog person. I don't really like cats like that. You can fight me. I'm a dog person, but you got to do what's best for you and your allergies. So you're going to have to limit your pet's access to your bedroom. I'm sorry. Also, another good tip is keeping your windows closed at night to be able to help with limiting your exposure to other different environmental particles that could possibly be in the air outside. Also, using heating and air conditioning with a premium air filter that can help with reducing nighttime allergies or even morning allergy symptoms. Like a few years back, my family, we got a uh, air purifier that uses a HEPA air filter and we instantly noticed a difference in the air. Like we got it because being around my dog would cause us to either sneeze and have allergy symptoms. So we got this to like hopefully help with being able to like cleanse the air. And let me tell you that that HEPA filter did not lie when it came to showing us how many allergens were in the air and how fast it filled up. Highly recommend getting an air purifier because they are just simply amazing. And using HEPA air filters, whether that's with your, you know, your air purifier, with your air conditioning, if possible, make sure you're incorporating that because they are just simply amazing. Um, another tip is cleaning areas that are prone to being damp regularly and being able to address, you know, any potential mold growth that 
is happening in your home. So fixing any leaks or any openings, using a dehumidifier to be able to keep your home's humidity under 50%. And also uh, my last tip is if you suspect roaches, because I've talked about in previous episodes that you could actually be allergic to roaches and as disgusting as they are, you're like, oh my gosh, like that's just another good reason why I don't like roaches is because I could possibly be allergic to them. But make sure that you contact an exterminator to be able to help with addressing an issue if you possibly suspect that they could be the culprit to why you are sneezing a lot in the mornings or even at night. They could possibly help you with that issue. But I'd probably say the biggest lesson in this episode is to make sure that you're cleaning your house as often as you can to make sure that you're getting rid of any allergens like dust and animal dander and mold. And hopefully by doing that, you could see a slow but steady and quick improvement in your morning allergy problems. But that is today's episode, which is all about why do we sneeze in the morning? I hope you all found this episode to be informational, to be, you know, thought provoking and have a little tad of fun to it because a lot of these topics, they can be heavy and dense filled with information that can constantly go over some people's heads and you're like, okay, Explain it a little bit better, please. So hopefully these episodes do that for you all and get you all to be thinking, you know, about your allergies and being able to see what things you could be doing differently in order to be able to help your environment be as allergy friendly to you and your lifestyle as possible. Um, Like I say in these episodes, again, third disclaimer, I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. I'm just a girl who has allergies and sneezes constantly in the morning at times and is providing advice based off of personal experience and personal research that I've done on my own um, in regard to my allergies. But I hope you all found this episode to be helpful and that you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure that you are subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast on your podcast platform of a choice. Make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hopefully it is a five-star rating. I almost forgot to say, follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at ohmyallergies for the latest updates on what the podcast is doing, new episodes, potential guests, things like that, just to stay in the know of what we are doing. And keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.